These are the Keishi Tapes. You, Man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. Wow. Yes. We have an intro. (laughs) Does that mean we're official? I think the stakes just got higher. Don't screw this up. (laughs) Thank you, Drew Patterson, for our intro to our podcast. I'm John Hewlett. Favaz here. It's time for Podcast 3. Um, we had Sammy Hagar on our first podcast when he was inducted into the Casey Radio Real Rock Hall of Fame. That interview was specific to that event. And then last week we had Paul McCartney's interview that Favaz did back in 2002. And with a little added um, aspect to the end, when I was also interviewing Paul McCartney uh, the same day, but mine was not recorded. When he made fun of you. When he made fun of me, yeah, okay. about my question. Okay. Somebody else has that recording. So now we, we move on to podcast three. And who are subject matters today? Slash and Duff of Guns N' Roses. Now, I know we're going to do one of my in- interviews today, but that didn't work out. So for No, boss- I, I love it. You you text me, like when you texted me Saturday and you were giving me some of your interviews that you, that you found at home, I was trying to take a nap. And I was like, damn it, you man, stop. Oh, <laughs> and then all the ones that, like the Jack Buck one, we're going to do. You know, and then we were going through them, and I was like, "Well, I got slash." I'm like, okay, let's do. That one. <laughs> yeah, we both get ex- we get excited about this thing at different times of the day. Like like Favas said, I was excited. He was taking a nap. He'll get excited, <laughs> and I'm doing something else, eating dinner. And so uh, yeah. So anyway, we got it together here, and uh, this is this going to be a good. One. Now, when did this interview take place? Okay, this happened in 2004, and Slash and Duff here talk about the riot. Uh, in 1991, Slash had been through many times with bands and stuff, but this was Duff McKagan's first time back since the ride, so that's kind of cool. And it was the first uh, concert date for Velvet Revolver anywhere, so they talk about that. They wow. talk about Scott Weiland, and um, it's uh, it was it was a thrill to sit between the two of them. Let's hear a little bit of it right out of the box. Okay, make sure the level check. We got it. Hey, it's Favaz. We are uh, at the pageant backstage for the opening night of Velvet Revolver. And uh, hard to believe I'm sitting in between two great rock guys, Slash and Duff McKagan. Guys, how are you? That's a nice way to put it. Great rock guys. Yeah. Slash, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So the question that I've been wanting to ask is why St. Louis? Why St. Louis to start this tour? I don't think it was a matter of really why. It just ended up like we're going to start up here and then we're going to work our way this way and go down here. And this just seemed like the appropriate place to do it. Yeah. Basically, when you book a club, it's all logistics or book a tour. Sorry. It's all logistics and, and it's where you can get in and, and the, what the next city it's close it works and um i think it's a it is a little bit poignant that we are starting here i haven't been here i was gonna i was gonna ask you john slash has been through uh, with snake pit a couple times but is this the first time since uh, 91 yeah and i you know at the hotel we're staying at i got up early today and i walked around the neighborhood quite a bit and uh, you know i was ducking my head at first but <laughs> but you know what people here are so so gracious and nice and i ended up talking to a lot of people i put some guy who's doing construction on a house on the get on the guest list tonight everybody just came up to me it was very very nice people pulled their cars over and stuff it was cool well that didn't work out really well so they they just came here because it logistically was the, the right way to I know, start we, it to we them. like to it's, think hey yeah. they want to start in st louis yeah. no it's it's just a good place to start <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool to hear you know 
Duff talk about, uh, you know, he walked around the neighborhood. I assume that they stayed maybe at the Chase Park Plaza and he walked around the Central West End or something mm. and people were nice to him and it was just, it, it was cool to hear that. I, I was, I was like, okay. Yeah, because they're they're California guys, right? They're they're West Coast. Well, guys. he's a Seattle guy. Seattle, right? Yeah. But uh, but Slash, Slash is, is a California, California guy. guy. So, yeah, coming to the Midwest. I mean, here's the inferiority complex thing coming out. You know, <laughs> we we just feel like flyover country sometimes, and right. we wonder if these rock artists feel the same way about it. Some do, some don't. But I can see how they might. You know, because yeah. like I said, especially Seattle. Right. What, I, would anybody coming from Seattle want anything to but do I, with? But I have heard this thing, though, that, that tours start in St. Louis. And it's, that's not the first and last tour that I've heard of. But yeah. it is a good spot because it's in the middle of the country. And then from there, you can go to Chicago, to Milwaukee, or you can mm-hmm. go to Nashville, or you go to Kansas City. You know, St. Louis is in the middle. So, yeah. you know, that that part was cool. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to, to know that uh, that he was warmly received was good. Yeah. Uh, how were the, how were they? What was their demeanor like that day? Were they, they ready to, to talk? They, yeah, they were cool. Um, we did this in an upstairs dressing room at the pageant. Um, and I have interviewed Slash before, so I, I knew what kind of guy he was. He, he's exactly one of those guys. He's a dude. He yeah. just likes to talk. And, um, so I knew he would be cool, but Duff, I had never met before. So yeah. I didn't really know how he would be, but sitting between them, I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting in between Slash and Duff. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. And, and I'll tell the story later, but ended up meeting the entire band and taking a picture and, you know, obviously that's never going to happen again. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Uh, did, uh, Slash have the, uh, the big tall hat he, he on? He did not have I, the hat on at the no. time. What, did, no. was it, what, were they, what were they wearing? What did it look like? I, I in the picture, I'll have to look at the picture. I don't remember. Yeah. I remember what I was wearing. Yeah. What were you wearing? I was wearing a white shirt. <laughs> you remember what you were wearing when you interviewed Paul McCartney, too? I never would have remembered something like that. I, I'm weird. I told you. <laughs> what were you wearing again? I was wearing a white shirt. A white shirt. What a I, dork. I, I wore a, a long white shirt. Cool. Tucked in or no? Nope. Nope. Not nope. tucked in. Untucked. Nope. <laughs> Back to the interview. Please. There is a sense of irony that it just ended up here, you know, because I was like, what a great place to start the Velvet Revolver tour. It wasn't pre-planned, you know, and it's 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 cool because I've been here a couple times and I know all the people that I've, at least all the people that I've run into. And it seems that, you know, as nice and as gracious as everybody is, because of that particular evening, it's one of the most famous events. And they're actually happy that it happened, even though that particular night it was so out of hand and chaotic and Hell. it was a fluke. <laughs> but I think it gave them all an excuse to finally be rude for once. <laughs> <laughs> now, hold, stop it right there. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it was. It's like we. It's kind of like a badge of honor. You know, the Guns and Roses riot happened right here in St. Louis. And, yeah. And and like he said, it was. You know, everybody is pretty nice in St. Louis. It gave us a chance to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the very first show ever for that band was right here in yeah, St. Louis. It was pretty yeah, cool. I know. I forgot all about that. Yeah. And they had a lot of good music. I remember what Scott Weiland said when he. Well, and I'll, yeah, I'll say it's that. Up. Uh, yeah. Well, no. Just just, just go ahead and hit it. Okay. Can you believe that was, uh, what, 13 years ago? Was it really? 1991. Uh, I blacked out for a bunch of those years, so it only seems like there's a few. Yeah, no, you're right, it was. So, uh, Velvet, um, I, I know you've told the story a million times, but just in a nutshell, how did uh, you guys all come together? Oh, man, that, this is a long story. We came together really because a friend of ours died. 
We got time. This is a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast, brother. Go ahead. Uh, Randy Castillo is a famous drummer for Ozzy and Rita Lita Ford and a bunch of other metal bands and so on. And I happened to run into Matt one night. Well, was, I ran into Matt at his funeral. And so Matt and I talked about there was this benefit concert going on uh, in a week's time that was going to be for Randy and everybody was going to show up and jam. And so he said, well, what, what, you, you want to play? And I was like, you know me, it's easy to get me to play. So I was like, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's go and play. And how are we going to do it? We'll put together a small set. And we called Duff up in Seattle and asked if he wanted to do it. And I knew a couple guys from Buck Cherry and put this quick little band together. And we showed up at rehearsal and just Duff and Matt and I had this chemistry, which is to be undenied, you know, fucking, there's no way. We just saw it happen. And we went and did the gig and it just was a blowout thing and we decided we were going to do this. And How'd you get Scott then? Um, one thing led to another. We Well, first we got Dave. Um, and Dave Kushner? Dave, is Dave that Kushner was a very integral part of this band and it's hard to find a guy who can play and inspire Slash as, a, as another guitar player. Usually, it's just tough. Slash is a very, as everybody knows, very unique player, and, and to get another guy who can complement and play off of what he's playing is extremely difficult. Almost as hard as finding a singer. Um, we got Dave in, and then we kind of just, we don't know how to look for a singer, so we just went out like anybody else, you know, word of mouth, hey, we'll find somebody, and then, you know, I got into certain trades and 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 radio stations and we got literally over a thousand cds or tapes or whatever of singers and out of those um we really addition addition maybe less than 20. um yeah and there wasn't anybody there scott and i our wives are friends and scott was still in stone temple pilots and the wives started to kind of collude on you know and uh one thing led to another stone temple at the same time, we had the two uh, movie soundtrack offers for the Hulk and um, um, Italian. Italian Job. Sorry, yeah. And um, Scott, hey, you want to come down and sing these songs? And he's like, when, where? I'll be there in a heartbeat because he had really been like seeing what we were doing. And then his band broke up, so it was kind of a no-brainer. And he came in, and you know, really the moment he walked in the room was like. He wasn't timid. He was. He took the mic and kind of just swaggered, and, and it was, his voice is perfect for this band. So, that's it. So, um, back. I know it was a long time ago when Guns started, but what's the what's the vibe about starting this band? The buzz that's already out there compared to Guns. The well, the thing that the coolest thing is that Duff was t talking about a second ago is we started out the same way that we started out when we were 18. It was like we had we did a whole garage band mentality. We all had sort of left this old career behind, and as musicians, we were just out there picking friends to play with us, picking um, situations where you could just go and jam with whoever. And it was really just very down to earth. And so as this band got together, it got it got together in a totally organic musician way, where just players getting together wanted to do the same kind of music, and that's what inspired it. It wasn't about anything else. And so. Basically, once the band, once we started writing songs and realized that we had the, the, the formula together, all the right five guys, then we went into it like any new band does. You know, you just said, what can we do next? You know, let's make a record. Let's go and, you know, and we were looking forward to getting to this point now where we're doing tours and stuff. So when you look back at all the, the whole the Guns N' Roses hoopla that Duff and I went through, it's pretty non-existent. You're just proud of the legacy, but you're starting out just as a completely new, new band. And the, the, the vibe is great because people are in 
into the idea of it you know now that they've heard a song everybody's over the top you know so that's that's and you know it make a short story long that makes us just really thrilled from a level of not trying to have to prove ourselves from something else or from coming from somewhere or anything like that it's just like here we are here's the song and if you like it you like it and if not you don't and yeah that's that had to be a tough position for those guys to be in there because here they're coming off of tremendous success and now you're trying to piece something together and have it viable and and be interesting and and good you know uh like they say uh the, the sophomore jinx is well i, I is wonder, real true and i wonder what they really thought of scott because he was totally unreliable even at that point yeah. you know and in fact that night uh when i did that interview he was not there and he was the last one to show up mm-hmm. and they, we were waiting for him for the picture and he did show up and he was just kind of weird man just it, didn't, didn't look healthy didn't look uh, good or he looked okay it was just like hey you know he would talk like this you know and and i ran into him in catering i think years later a few a couple years later maybe at really? river at riverport and it was the same thing mm-hmm. he talked the same way so i don't know if all the drug use had kind yeah. of zapped what, his uh, brain what, what were you serving that night when you were catering uh, was it, uh i don't remember but he i remember he asked <laughs> wait no no wait a minute he asked for something uh like do you have lactose-free milk or something like that i said and and one other thing the wives started this whole thing did you notice that yeah yeah he said uh his uh, wife uh, their wives start the scott's wife and and duff's wife started chattering about it and that's how he got him in the van it's kind of funny yeah it is kind of funny now um we're talking to slash and, and duff from velvet revolver what about all this fcc stuff that's going on right now i, I read that scott was very upset that he's been censored well, for the writing of this record what, what's going on what's your take it's pretty ridiculous i mean it's at a point you know i mean we we ran across it with with guns but a bit you know but like there's a line in, in slither's Smell the poppies. That's the one I. That's the one I read about. And MTV wanted him to change it, and you know, smell the. I mean, poppies, whatever. You know, I mean, it was used in Wizard of Oz. You know, the poppy fields. My my three year old daughter was rolling around on the grass. What's going on with Duff's voice? I'm getting all. <clears throat> yeah, as, as my dad would say, he has skikies, loogies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really not sure. I didn't yeah. want to ask him. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, so it's not a technical and, and, issue. And at this point, it really was his voice. No, it, it was his yeah. voice. And also at this point, we're in 2004. Slash was not officially clean and sober, I believe, for another two years after that. Yeah. So he sounded fine, yeah. you know, in this. But, you know, who knows? Was he on something or not? There, there's a rumble, too, in the background. I don't know what that was. That is sound check going on from Silvertide. Oh, oh, OK. Yeah, wow. that's what that is. Because recently uh, I did an interview with Dave Mason. Mm-hmm. And right when we started the interview... All of a sudden, somebody decided to do some uh, carpentry work in the background. <laughs> so it's called ambiance, it's, it's John. It's ruined. It's called ambiance. It's ruined. This isn't ruined. Now, especially now, now that we know what it is. Yeah, sound check. Back to the interview. Simulating Dorothy rolling. I'm in the poppy field. You know, it's not, whatever. You can take it any way you want, but it's just a it's just a word, and you can't you can't censor that. And so he said, okay, I'll, how about smell the Nazis? How's that? And they they said, nah. Well, you know what? We prefer poppies. You know. <laughs> I mean, isn't it just this whole thing has just exploded? It's the one thing that is very reminiscent of the 80s, the early 80s, and when uh, Tipper and Gore, yeah, Tipper Gore was around. So, you know, we just sort of like the one thing is we do everything on our own, you know, like we we make our own decisions and we're not going to be dictated to as to how we do our stuff. Hey, he's referring to Tipper Gore. 
uh, when yeah. she was uh, a part of censoring music. Phyllis Schlafly here locally was behind it with the uh, the Parents the Music Resource yes, Center, the PMRC. Yes, PMRC, yeah. yes. And uh, our radio station here in St. Louis, Casey, tried to stop a House bill that the Missouri legislature was trying to pass to uh, incorporate. Don Henley played that show. <laughs> That's right. And who else was there? Alana uh, Miles. Alana Miles was there. Alana Miles and... Uh, and somebody else. I don't remember, but I yeah. I was not a uh, uh, an employee of Casey then. I I, I oh, went really? down there oh, just as like not. I loved because I saw Don Henley the night before at the Fox, yeah. and then here he sings in support of the, you know, the to not make the ban, if yeah. you will. So. so you came down as a protester. I did. Yeah. Oh, you're the guy that got his head busted and uh, got <laughs> thrown in jail. I remember that now. Get back to the interview. Oh, so we stand our own ground. And, you know, we, we, we do kind of have this very unique position to, to, to see that, that everything goes in cycles. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to turn like everything else does, you know. Like now, in, in the same uh, subject matter, really, now is a great time for this band, apparently, because everybody wants to rock again. We didn't, we, we didn't plan it that way. We just came together because, really, a, a friend of ours died, and that's how we brought it together. And one thing led to another, and we have a record deal, and, and we're out touring. I'm telling you, man, I, I know. It makes you want to clear I wonder, your throat. I, I bet you everybody else listening, <laughs> before you mentioned it, was like, wow, he, he sounds like he's got yeah, some loogies so, or yeah, something. Yeah. The thing about that, though, must be the catering, <laughs> is uh, none of us as individuals have ever catered to the, the fickle market, so to speak, the, the ever-changing tastes of, especially the industry, the industry side of it. And so it's like... We're just doing what it is that we love to do, and all of a sudden the tides change, and, and now it happens to be popular again. So the one thing I'm grateful for is I never latched on to any bandwagon. I stuck true to who I am, and so this band is perfect for, for us as individuals because this is us. It just happens to be in vogue right now. But if we'd ever change, it'd be sort of, we'd, it'd be, what's the best way to explain it? We'd feel like idiots if we'd all donned a bunch of different clothes and started trying to play different things, and it's like, oh, rock's back. And it's like, how would you, how would you explain explain that one. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to go back to wearing my jeans and leather pants because I, I guess it's popular again. So we never had to do all that. I had Joe Satriani in the studio with me yesterday. He played and just blew us all away. And I was asking him about musicianship. And it just seems like a lot of the bands today, you don't, there aren't a lot of great players anymore, man. And, and you guys, all of you guys are such great players. And is, is the day of the musician gone in rock for a little bit? I think, again, it's, it's going to be a cyclical thing. Uh, I think kids are, are, are listening to guitar players again, and they're going to start playing like guitar players, you know? It, it's all, it's all going to... I don't think it's gone forever. No, there's no way, because they're still selling guitars, and a kid is going to start learning, you know, yeah. their scales and their, you know, whatever. And it's going to probably go back to a Yngwie Malmsteen, Eddie Van Halen thing or something, and, and then they're going to find Slash again, and then, you know, it'll just go all the way around. Plus, we got to have our tribute bands for the future, so these kids got to learn the music. Was that a hell of a question I asked? Yeah, it's a great question. Thank you. No, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, John. Deep. Of course, you ask. You were asking it to a guy who has a mucus in his throat. But... <laughs> um, yeah, basically. I mean, the way I see it is that everybody's been relying on on trying to get away with it without learning how to play. And when we started, it was uh, trying. To, we're not the best players in the world, but we try, you know. And then somehow some people got away with making a lot of records and making a lot of money without doing that at all. We sort of bring it back around to like, okay, it's not that complicated. It's still four chords, but try and play them well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very true. So, um, was there any hesitation? I know you guys are friends with Scott and everything, but you know, STP couldn't tour a lot because of Scott's problems and things like that. Was there any hesitation at all? Or, or? now, this is a hell of a question. Here's a, here's here's a good a question. question. Here's my best yes. question. Yeah. Were you were worried about that at all? Now, when we first hooked up with Scott, the whole thing with Scott was like he needed some support from people who he really wanted to do this, but he just needed some friends to help him do it. And so we went through a lot with Scott just to get us to the point where we were completely functional as a band, but because Scott came in um, into this thing and Scott needed us and we needed him, we were, we, you know, we'd all been through it, so we just all bonded together and helped him get through it. And now his whole thing is he just wants to be in a rock and roll band that's touring all the time and sort of dispel all this past. And so it's all good, you know, and it gives us a common bond too. And unfortunately, we he's know, dead. Yeah. We know what eventually it's not funny, happened. No, but yeah, it's not, it's I mean, funny, it's, yeah. you know, he, he really screwed over STP and he basically screwed over Velvet Revolver. I mean, they made another record, but at the same time, you know, he was just very unreliable yeah. at that point. Talented guy, though. I mean, look yeah. at that. He made it Super. good with two yeah. two bands. Yeah, yeah he two really bands. did. Uh, let's continue on here. The only real way we can dispel all of that is just really at this point, it's cliche, but let the music do the talking. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Well, Velvet Revolver, uh, the uh, the record contraband in stores June 8th and uh, tonight at the pageant. Just It's my, the most anticipated show of the year. I, cool. I just, just feel it. So uh, it's great to be with uh, Duff and Slash. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. All right, All right there you go. But uh, you said you got to meet the rest of the band. Is that on this mini disc? It's or not. No? It's oh. not. Uh, so Matt Sorm, formerly of Guns N' Roses, came in. So mm -hmm. Dave Kushner. And then we were waiting for Scott. And finally, Scott showed up, and he took a picture, and I have to I have to go back and look at it. But he was wearing like his <laughs> shirt was totally open. All right, so he's showing yeah. his chest, yeah. and he's got like a scarf on. He takes the scarf and pulls it up like his head is in a noose, and that's either oh. how he took the picture or he was just. I think that's how he took the picture. That's eerie. Yeah, it was really, really. Yeah. Strange. You I know. thought you were going to say he took the scarf off and then put it around you because no, you had he, a plain white shirt on. I, I my shirt was better untucked. Than so, but uh, I want to. I want to tell you what happened after the show. So yeah. See, I, when you said you were going to meet the rest of the band, I thought that was going to be in the interview, but that's no, not in the interview. No, no. it's not. Okay. It's not. But I met the guys in Silver Tide that night who are kind of back together now. Um, they were. The, you remember them, Silver Tide? Yeah. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was the first time I had met them, and I remember, <laughs> I remember talking to to Nikki Perry. Uh, and he was, I was like, did Slash have any advice for you? Because they were super young, just coming out of Philly. And he said, yeah. He said, uh, don't use our advance money on drugs. <laughs> I was like, God, that's great advice. It is. And then, Simple. And then after the show, I went bowling with Silvertide right next door. <laughs> oh, at did the, you really? At the Pinnacle, yes. Uh -huh. And just, we drank so much. And they, of course, you know, they're on tour. It's their first yeah. night, so... They drank a lot, and it wait a minute, was, were they twenty one? Because they were young. They were like teenagers, weren't they? I don't. I don't no, I, I don't think they no, were teenagers. Think they were, okay. No, but I just remember we had a great time, and it was the first time I met them. And then I didn't see them again until maybe a year or so later. They were in the swimming pool at Cabo at my hotel, and I recognized <laughs> them. I was like, hey, I went up. We all remembered one another, and uh -huh. they were opening uh, for Sammy. Yeah, uh, at the cantina, and that's because they had done a stint for Van Halen. 
uh, opening for Sammy, I think in 04 too, maybe, or 05, whenever uh, the band got back together. And so that's how they knew Sammy. And so they were down in the sw- swimming pool, and there they are. I was just like, hey. <laughs> and it was just, just kind of funny. And uh, I still so talk to the him. biggest cannonball? Did you guys try that? No? No, we didn't oh. try that. Oh, but I still good. talk to uh, to Brian and uh, Nikki uh, to this day. So. Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah. And you've uh, met, uh, as you said, Slash on numerous occasions, and you've interviewed him those times too? I have. And will that be a part of our future Yes, podcast? it can be if you would like, Mr. Euler. Yes, I would. I think. What, uh, what's the time frame for those? I don't, I don't, uh, the one right before that was probably early 2000s. And I remember I came in on a Sunday to interview him because I knew he was going to come in. They opened Jack Patrick's downtown, which was a bar downtown, just for the band because yeah. they were closed on Sundays, uh-huh. and they opened it just so they could play pool and drink a little bit, and they came over that afternoon, and I remember Slash was very sniffly mm. uh, the entire mm. time. Yeah. And then the time— Did he have uh, mucus in his throat? No. Like, I, no? I, actually, I'll play—yes, he, he <laughs> might have. But I'll never forget the first time he came through, came in with Snake Pit. We had to have a separate room for him and Eric— the, the singer of Snake Pit at the time, and they wanted it. It was called a tuning room. So we used Gary Bennett's old studio oh. in the annex building, and that's where they hung out. I don't think it was a tuning room. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just I just don't. It was sort of a tuning room. Yeah, they tuned up <laughs> all right. <laughs> wow. And I got, I got one more story about Slash, John. Oh, okay. Um, so when he came to town in 94 or 95, whenever it was, um, they were scheduled to play the Casey Real Rock Cafe. Uh, oh, that yeah. we used to have in the day. For those of you who don't know, that was a cafe that the radio station uh, uh, started and, and opened. Kind of ripped off from the Hard Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the Hard Rock ended up opening what right just across the parking lot and from, sued us. And that's right, and sued us to shut it down. Yes, they uh, did. And it went out of business because everybody who worked at Casey went over there and got free meals all the time. So <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. So uh, that day, um, I drove Slash around in one of the Casey vehicles. It was a Jeep. Some kind of Jeep. And the other guys in the band had done their thing, uh, whatever. I drove Slash and his manager. They were sitting in back of me. I'm in this Jeep. We go to Mississippi Nights because that's where the gig was that night. So we're sitting and we're waiting for the guys to come out, Eric to come out. To, they were doing sound check or whatever. And I'll, I'll never forget, Pearl Jam came on the radio, Casey. And I asked Slash at the time, I was like, do you want to go inside? Or, you know, do you want to stay out here? He was like, no, I'd, I'd rather listen to Pearl Jam. I thought that was kind yeah. of cool. Uh-huh. So I uh, I was sitting there and I had my uh, my my one hitter. Hmm. I, I used to smoke a little marijuana back then. Yeah, I thought it would be really cool if I got Slash to party with me. So I asked him if he wanted to take a hit, and he said, "No, man, I can't do it. I can't do it." I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, cool." Yeah. You know, and uh, then that day, later that day, we went to the Casey Cafe where they either played or they did an appearance. I think they played. The manager told our boss at the time, Jim Owen, that I offered drugs to Slash. (laughs) And I got in somewhat trouble. And I was like, drugs? I was like, this is a guy that has had a heroin addiction. Probably still did at the time because it was 94 or 95. Uh, Cocaine on the daily, drinks Jack Daniels. And here I offered, you know, I asked him if he to do a one hit, and the and the and the and the manager told the boss that I was offering him drugs, and you can't do that because if my artist, I'll never forget, if my artist does that, he won't be any good for the. I was just like, give me a break. Wow, you know that's crazy. Yeah, didn't get fired though. 
No, I'm still here. Still here. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know that I've ever met Slash. Carl says that I that I have. Yeah. He said we actually went to lunch together. I don't Slash? remember that. You went, really? Yeah, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I think he's making that up. Carl's our executive producer on the Casey Morning Rock Show here in St. Louis, our, our home station for our podcast, The Casey Tapes. The Casey Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of Casey, go to Casey95.com or the Casey mobile app. All right, see you next week, John, and uh, who knows? Oh, we're going to have Shelly Grafman next week. That's right. He was the, the founder, founder of Keishi. Yes, and a guy who's groundbreaking in the music industry by helping bands like Journey and Kiss and Rush get started, get their careers started. He'll be very interesting for you to listen to next week. All right, see you, John. Bye. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.